Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Well, I want to continue this morning um, with part two of the series I began week before last entitled Our Sword and Our Shield. And we're talking about how to make the Bible uh, completely real and relevant in our lives. And I decided to start off the year with this series because of, we just have had an incredible response to our churchwide daily Bible reading uh, plan that we're reading the Bible through in one year in chronological order. And we just, we had such a response, we had to reorder more journals three different times. And so uh, thank you for your uh, interest and your commitment to daily reading God's Word. But the title and topic of my message today is, How I Know I Can Trust the Bible. How I Know I Can Trust What God's Word Says. I'm, I've been, I'm hoping and praying that over the next several weeks that we're in this series, that it's going to challenge and change your life in the area of planting God's Word uh, in your heart, making Bible reading become just a natural part of your everyday life. And we're going to be discussing these topics in our Wednesday night life groups. Uh, and our, our goal is to just teach you how to unlock the Word of God for yourself so that you're not dependent on anyone else. You're not dependent on me. You're not dependent on someone on television or the radio or a Sunday school teacher. But you're going to learn how to uh, read and discern and interpret the Bible and feed yourself from the Word of God. If you're not already, I'll throw in this plug, if you're not already signed up for a Wednesday night life group, just uh, contact Pastor Todd, contact the church office, and we're going to get you plugged into a, a great small group that's going to help you and just challenge you in your walk. So today, a few facts. The Bible is the most read book in the world. You know how many books there are in the world? Well, I don't know, but quite a few. There's a lot of books. The Bible is the most read book in the entire world. It is the all-time best-selling book in human history. The question we're going to look at and hopefully answer for you today is this. How do we know that the Bible really is the Word of God? You know, it says it is, but a lot of people say, well, a lot of books, you know, make claims. How do we know that it, it really is the Word of God? Now, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to notice, all Scripture is God-breathed. Well, we've probably read that hundreds of times. What exactly does that mean? The Scripture is God-breathed. Well, right now, you're listening to the breath of Doug Roberts. You are actually listening to my breath because all my uh, voice really is is breath coming up over vocal cords and vibrating those cords, and the end result is the sound you hear coming out my mouth. That's what it is, right? In other words, if I didn't have any breath, I would have no voice, no words. So the breath of Doug Roberts is the word of Doug Roberts. And likewise, God's word is his very breath. 
It's not just some good ideas put together and thrown into a book. It's God's actual word to us, and that's what we, my goal is to give you enough proof today that you believe that with all your heart, that it is actually the word of God to us. Psalms 119.86 says that all your commands are trustworthy. In other words, everything in the Bible can be completely trusted as truth because it comes directly from God. Now, I realize that it's one thing, as I said, for the Bible to claim it's the word of God and that it can be trusted, but how do we really know that? How do I know that the Bible is actually the word of God and that I can literally trust my life to it? How do I know it's not just a bunch of fables or stories that have kind of been thrown together by different people and turned into this book? That is, that's a valid and legitimate question that we need to ask uh, before we even start seriously studying God's word. How do we know that we can completely trust it? Because there have been thousands and thousands of books that have been written that have made claims that have been proven to be false. So just because... We read in God's word, this is the word of God. Now, how, how, what evidence or proof do we have that we can really believe that to be truth? I'll tell you this, Time Magazine, they've thought about this several times. They thought it was such an important issue. There's been two different times in the history of Time Magazine that they've put this on the cover of the magazine. The first time, the cover said, uh, how true is the Bible? The second uh, time that it said, is the Bible fact or fiction? I have not read either of these articles, so I don't know what they ended up with, but I know they were interested enough to bring forth the question, right? So this morning, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to try to settle this issue for all of us, anyone who might have a question as to the validity of God's word, because there are actually some incredible proofs and facts and evidences that uh, should make it very easy for us to solidify in our minds the truth of God's word. You know, I don't want you to make up your mind based on what I say or what anyone else says. You need to make up your mind based on what the Bible claims about itself and what even what history and science have actually proven out to be accurate, the accuracy innate accuracy of God's word. And I, I believe there are seven main reasons that we can find to base our belief that the Bible is truly the word of God. So if you're taking notes, jot these down because they will help you defend this argument. A lot of people believe the Bible's a good book, but they, they say, well, but you know, who knows if it's really the word of God? It was written down by man. So here, we're going to go through these things this morning. Seven very, very strong proofs, I believe, that the Bible is the Word of God. The first one is the Bible is historically accurate. The Bible is more historically accurate than any other book that has ever been written. In other words, it's not just what we believe to be doctrinally and theologically correct, but scientifically speaking, it is true historically with real people, real places, and real timelines. And you may say, well, why is that so important? I'm glad you asked. It's important because the Bible says that God cannot lie. 
You know, some people will ask the question, is there anything that God cannot do? And our typical response is, no, there's nothing God can't do. Well, the, the definitive answer is, according to this scripture, yes, there's, there's something God can't do. Hebrews 6.18 says that it is impossible for God to lie. The only reason that this whole universe works is because of God's truth. And his truth is true all of the time. It never changes. Can you imagine if the laws of gravity only worked on weekdays? I mean, you think weekends get crazy now. Wow. But the laws of physics are true all of the time because God is the one who created them. Psalms 33.4 says, The word of God is right and true. And this doesn't just refer to the truth about salvation. This refers to the truth of the history that the Bible speaks of. Everything that it speaks of is truth. You know, when historians, whether Christian or non-Christian, when historians are trying to track down and test historical accuracy, usually the first thing they do is they begin asking this question, was this event recorded by any eyewitnesses? Are there any firsthand accounts? Or is this information being based on second or third or fourth-hand accounts? And they ask that question because they know there is very little accuracy involved when stories become second and third generation. Everything starts to either get watered down or blown out of proportion very quickly. And so that's an important question for them to ask right off the bat. The Bible is by far made up of eyewitness accounts. People were actually there writing this stuff down because it has been found scientifically. For us, for writing stuff down for us to read about today. There are very, very few stories in God's word told by someone who just happened to hear about it. There's very, very few. The other test of history that tells us the Bible is accurate is the extreme accuracy and care with which it has been copied down through generations. Sometimes you, you, someone will say, well, you know, the Bible, it, maybe it was uh, pretty much accurate at the time it was written, but it has been handed down by so many generations. Who knows what's been changed or misinterpreted? And the truth is that the Old Testament scribes were so accurate. I mean, they copied this stuff down like a Xerox machine. Everything had to be perfect, and they had a long list of rules that they had to follow to make sure everything was kosher, so to speak. A scroll had a specific number of columns. The columns had to be exactly 30 letters wide so that they could easily be checked. They had to copy letter by letter, not word by word, letter by letter. A good example are the Dead Sea Scrolls that we, uh, you know, we have found. Those of us that were fortunate and blessed to go to the Holy Land, we were able to see firsthand some portions of the Dead Sea Scrolls that are kept behind some very thick glass cases and very dim light so that, you know, they don't deteriorate. The Dead Sea Scrolls were written about a hundred years before Jesus ever walked on planet Earth. And the Dead Sea Scrolls contain 
copies of every New Testament book except Esther. And we don't know why that is. Esther is not there. What did I say? See, this is just, sometimes I just like to test to see if you're really paying attention. Man, I am so proud of you guys. I was hoping somebody would catch me in that or I'd have felt really bad. <laughs> Contain copies of all the Old Testament except for Esther. And before those were ever found, though, before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, the earliest known copies of Bible scrolls were from about 900 A.D. We are talking close to a thousand-year gap in between the earliest writings found and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Every book except Esther. And do you know what the percentage of difference was between those writings? Less than 5%. And they say, uh, Bible scholars say that was due to the change mostly in, the, in certain uh, words and names, how they were spelled, changed a little bit. That is extremely significant proof to historical accuracy in the scientific world. Incredibly strong evidence. Another proof of the historical accuracy we find in archaeology Archaeological digs are consistently finding things that prove the accuracy of the Bible. In fact, out of all the archaeological digs that have been done since man started digging, did you know there has never been an archaeological dig that has disproved something that was in the Bible? Not everyone has proved something about the Bible, but there hasn't been one out of the probably thousands, I don't know, but I'm sure I'm safe in saying many hundreds, hundreds of archaeological digs, not one has ever found something to disprove the accuracy of the Bible. Only prove the accuracy of the Bible. That's huge. You know, a lot of these places that have been dug up, you can, you can go there and visit them. You know, we visited the Pool of Salom, which has been uncovered in an archaeological dig. You can go to the, uh, the Oropagus, Mars Hill, where that's a picture of Mars. I climbed up on that thing, and let me tell you, it's scary. There's no guardrails. People aren't much into guardrails over in Europe. They just assume you're smart enough not to walk over the edge, and so it's kind of up to you. That would never fly here, right, because we're not smart enough over here. We need a sign and a rail that says, if you go beyond this point, you will probably die. And if we don't see that, we just think it's safe to just go right up to the edge. Well, there's no sign. Now, over there, you can just walk right off the edge, and that's going to be the end of you. And so, like any American, I got pretty close. <laughs> kind of scary. My wife would have been pitching a fit. Where'd you get back over here? You know, but... That was the first time I went and she wasn't there, so I, I was able to kind of be stupid, you know, go out to the edge. But these things are all still there. Luke, who was a doctor and a historian, he wrote the book of Acts. You know, he wrote about 54 other cities. He wrote about 39 countries. He wrote about nine different islands, all with complete historical accuracy that has been proven in modern science. The second reason we can believe the Bible is true, and I'm spend, it ties right into the historical accuracy, but I'm going to spend a little time on this. The Bible is scientifically accurate. But we're going to spend some time on this because there's two things that I know about people 
who think the Bible is not scientifically accurate. Two things I know. Do you want to know what the two things are that I know? And I'm going to tell you anyway. Here's two things I know about people that don't believe the Bible is scientifically accurate. The first thing I know is they haven't studied the Bible. The second thing I know is they don't understand science as well as they think they do. And the reason I say they don't know science very well is because God established the laws of science. And his word has never one time, the word of God, as you read from Genesis to Revelation, never once does it contradict even our modern laws of science. That is incredible. See, the Bible was not written to be a scientific textbook. You don't read the Bible to figure out how to build a better space shuttle. But here is my point. Not one single time in over the 1,600 years in which the Bible was being written does it ever state something that contradicts even modern science today. In fact, most of the time, including still today, the Bible is always a step ahead of our modern science. There are things in the Bible that science, modern science, has just proven to be true in the last couple hundred years. And the one thing about truth is that it never changes, right? Truth does not change. One thing about science, science has changed a million times in the history of mankind. Truth, not once. Now, I would guarantee you that if you're anywhere near my age, 42, oh, I meant 62, that the science book that we all were reading in third grade is not the one being used today. Completely different. People would laugh at the one that we had back in the day. But the beauty of God's word is that the truth in it never changes, nor does the science that is in the Bible ever change. Things in the Bible that were thought to be scientifically ridiculous up until just a couple hundred years ago have been proven to be solid scientific fact, according to our science today. Now, here's something else I find interesting about the Bible. The Bible doesn't just prove itself scientifically accurate by what is in the Bible. It proves itself to be scientifically accurate by what is not or what was not written down in the Bible. And here's what I'm talking about. If the Bible had been written by human inspiration, it would have been filled with some pretty crazy scientific beliefs of the prevailing day. But you don't find one of them there. You know, for thousands and thousands of years, people walking around on planet Earth believed it was flat. And that's logical. You know, yeah, I can understand where they might think that. There's still a few of them around today, right? Flatter society people. Now, granted, when you meet a flatter society person, usually they're in really bad physical shape because they are scared to death to take a long walk. <laughs> a little joke there. See this? <laughs> but they still exist, right? Amazingly enough, they still exist. But it wasn't really until just the last few hundred years of our history, which is a pretty short amount of time since Adam and Eve. It's a pretty short, in the last few hundred years, men like Galileo, Columbus, they, they definitively discovered that the earth was in fact round, not flat. 
So the entire time that the Bible was being written during that 1,600-year period, the prevailing belief by everyone was that the world was flat. And yet you don't read one single word about that in the Bible because it would have been proven false. Isn't that kind of amazing? It's not just what's in the Bible. It's what's not in the Bible that proves it to be true. You would expect the Bible to say the earth is flat somewhere, mentioned somewhere, because that's what everyone believed. But not only does the Bible not say the earth is flat, it states the opposite because it's always a step ahead of science. Isaiah 40.22, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Over 2,500 years ago, when everyone's walking around thinking you're going to fall off at some point, 2,500 years ago, the, it's being stated the, the earth is round. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, part of the Bible, the Bible's written in three languages. Part of it is written in Greek. The Greeks were pretty smart people. But they believed that the world was head up, held up by a giant named Atlas. You've seen this picture. That would be one big dude, wouldn't it? That's as, this, was not, this is not just a theory to them. This was truth to them. Kind of crazy, right? Oh, they don't hold a candle to the Hindus or the people that would become the Hindus. During biblical time, these people believed that the earth sat on the back of four giant elephants. You can Google pictures of this. And, you know, you might say, well, you know, okay, but what are the elephants standing on? Well, they had an answer for that. Perfectly sensible answer. The four elephants were standing on the back of a giant sea turtle. You say, well, okay, that's understandable. But what was the giant, what was holding up the giant sea turtle? A giant sea serpent. Wow. And they believed that anytime any of these animals moved from the elephants to the turtle to the sea serpent, when anytime they would move, that's what would cause the earth to shake, earthquakes. Isn't it amazing? Thousands of people believe that, not one mention in the Bible from any of the Greek authors. The Egyptians, they were brilliant people, right? They built the pyramids, masters of engineering and architecture. Engineers today still kind of squabble over how they could have humanly built those pyramids and some of the things they did. But the Egyptians, for all of their smarts, they thought the earth was supported by five pillars. And you would, I would have to make a very, very well-educated guess that Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible, and many scholars believe he actually penned the words of the book of Job, that he was, you know, we know he was trained in the finest Egyptian schools as he grew up. He had to have known all about the theory of the five pillars. And yet, not one mention of that in the Bible. Because if he had, and even if he believed that, if he had written that, it would have been proven false. The book of Job, one of the oldest, some scholars think it might be the very oldest, possibly actually written out before the book of Genesis, but whatever the case, I don't want to argue that because I can't prove anything. 
We know it is one of the very oldest books of the entire Bible. We're in it right now in our daily reading, right? Getting Working our way through the book of Job. It's a fun, cheery little book as it starts out. Very motivating. Very inspiring. But Janet said, it is. Well, we're not quite there yet, but it's, it's going to get there. It's going to get better. I'd be hard-pressed to say it's, I've been so inspired by those first, you know, 13 chapters. But anyway, but you have to have that there to, to get to the inspiring part. Without that part, there's nothing inspiring, right? So we're, we'll get through that part. But in Job 26, which you're going to be reading here in just a, a, a few short days, you're going to read this. In the book of Job, one of the oldest writings in human history. Listen to this. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing. Wow. Who could have told the author? How did the author possibly know to write that one down? When everyone else absolutely is just thinks the earth is most likely flat. There may be some differences on what's holding it up, but there was no argument over the fact that it was flat because no matter how far you walk, you, you know, no one had ever walked off the edge, so it must be just flat. But everybody, everybody believed the earth was, was flat or sitting on pillars or the backs of elephants. This had to be divine inspiration. That, those words had to be breathed of God to write those no one could have written those words. It's hung in space on nothing. If you do enough research, you could go on and on about the science in the Bible, but uh, I'll finish this part up by just saying this. The Bible is not only scientifically accurate, it's almost always a step ahead of science to this very day. So the Bible is historically accurate. It's scientifically accurate. And the third reason we can trust our life to the Bible, the Bible is prophetically accurate. The Bible is filled from start to finish with thousands of prophecies where God has told us in advance that something very much in particular would happen at a certain time or a certain place. And over centuries, thousands of these prophecies have already been fulfilled every one of them exactly as foretold in, in the Bible. There's over 300 prophecies just concerning the birth of Christ, him coming as, as our Messiah. And some of those were prophesied a thousand years before he ever showed up here. Every one of them came to pass. The odds of making 300 specific predictions about one person as to where they would be born, where and how they would die, you know, things that they would accomplish in their life, those type of very specific prophecies. The odds of 300 predictions coming true are so astronomical that most of us could not even write down the number. One, one organization said the odds of those 300 prophecies coming true would be that if you filled the state of Texas to your knees with silver dollars, that you could reach in and pick out the one they were asking you to pick out. 
that just kind of helps us kind of wrap our mind around the odds of this many prophecies concerning one person. It takes a lot more faith to believe that all of these things have just happened by coincidence than it does to believe there's a God who has orchestrated this. And the more that you learn about the universe scientifically, the more you learn about the human body scientifically, the more faith you have to have to believe that we just crawled up out of the water and evolved into this. It takes more faith to believe that. Reason number four that we can trust the Bible. The Bible is thematically unified. I'm sure you use that term constantly. I like that book. It's thematically unified. Oh, those are my favorite too. No, you're probably saying, well, what's the bit? What do you mean it's thematically You know, It means that this book has the same theme weaving its way from Genesis to Revelation. From the start of the book to the end, it, it all has the same theme woven through it, which is the redemption of mankind. So the next question someone might ask, well, big deal. I've got plenty of books sitting on my shelf at home that from the start to the finish, the same theme is woven through that book. That's no big deal. And then I would say, oh, really? Are any of those books, were any of them written over a 1,600-year period by 40 different authors on three different continents who spoke different languages, and many of these authors had never even met each other? And then all of these writings, they weren't even collected and put together into a book until a 1,000 years after the last one had been dead. What are the chances, right? You know, Muhammad wrote the Quran. The Analytics of Confucius was written by Confucius. The Writings of Buddha written by... I'm just seeing if you're paying attention here. You would obvious, obviously expect those writings to be very uniform because they were written by one person. But the Bible was written by 40 different people over a 1,600-year period, written by poets, prophets, princes, kings, sailors, soldiers, attorneys, doctors, some fishermen. And yet these people are all going to come up with the exact same theme. Now, some people will argue, well, it's not the same theme. They argue that the Old Testament is about Israel and the New Testament is about Jesus, but according to Jesus himself, they would be wrong. John 5.39 says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures all point to me. And if it's something is pointing to Jesus, it's pointing to the salvation of mankind. Because that's why he existed. Reason number five. The Bible is confirmed by Jesus, like we just said. Even Jesus himself trusted the word of God because he often referred to writings in the Old Testament, things that were written over a thousand years before he ever walked on planet Earth. When Jesus would talk about the scriptures, he would refer to them as a real book with real people that were in real places doing very real things. Yes, he had uh, you know, some, some stories that he would tell to make a point, but most often, he was talking about very specific, real people in real places doing real things. He spoke of the prophets as being real. He spoke of Daniel as a real person. He spoke of Noah. He spoke of Sodom and Gomorrah. He spoke of Adam and Eve. 
if Jesus trusted all of these accounts to be true, then, I mean, who are we to question that, right? The sixth reason we can trust the Bible, and this is important too, the Bible has survived all attacks. This amazing fact makes the Bible an incredibly unusual book. The Bible is the most despised, most denied, most disputed, most dissected, most debated, most outlawed, most destroyed, and most banned book in human history. Millions of people have died because they would not give up their Bible. It's still happening as we speak. It hasn't stopped. If anything, it has actually, the pace has picked up in recent years. Right now, as we speak, you can be executed today in North Korea for owning a Bible. Not sent to jail, you can be executed. The Bible has basically been under attack since it came into existence. And yet it still remains the most widely read, the most widely published, the most widely translated, and is still the best-selling book in the history of mankind. The Bible is still the greatest source of music, art, even the greatest source of architecture in all of our human writings. Most of us here today, raise your hand if you speak English. Better yet, if you're here and you don't speak English, let me see your hand. You see, you're lying because you wouldn't have known to raise your hand. So that was a kind of a trick question too. Everybody in this place speaks English. That didn't happen by accident. We all speak English most likely because of the printing of the King James Bible. If the King James Bible had never been printed or had been printed in some other language, it's very, very slim chances that we would all be speaking English right now. That's the impact it had on a, a big part of the world. That's amazing, isn't it? The truth will always be the truth, whether you believe it or not. That's the thing about the Bible. People want to debate it. They want to argue it. Hey, you know what? The truth is the truth, whether you choose to believe it or not. I, I, I've told you before my little rant, there was for several years a very popular bumper sticker. And I know they meant well, but the bumper, who remembers a bumper sticker that, that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Anybody remember those bumper stickers? See, like I say, it was probably good intention, but the theology was really wrong. It should have said, God settles it. I mean, God said it. That settles it, whether I choose to believe it or not. That's the actual truth, right? There's a lot of people that don't want to believe certain things are truth today. There are a lot of people don't want to believe that certain things are immoral today. You need, you need to live with someone before you marry them because you just don't know if you're going to be compatible. It's just the way things are done. Not according to God. Listen, it doesn't make any difference if we want to believe something is moral or immoral. If God said it's moral, then it's moral. But I'm telling you this, if God said it's immoral, it is immoral. Whether we choose to believe it or not makes no difference because we 
don't get to make the rules. But there's a lot of people living their lives today hoping and believing that they're getting to make their own rules. And that's one reason they don't want to buy into God's word because it, it disallows them, they feel, the privilege of making their own rules. So we're going to do things my way. And they think they're getting away with it because, hey, they're still walking around. You know, some bolt of lightning hasn't come out of the sky and struck them dead, so they must be okay. You know, I could say to you this morning, I've decided I do not believe in the laws of gravity. You could say, okay, you got any evidence? I said, I'll show you. And I could go all the way, I could go downtown and go to the very top of the Tower of America. And I could say, now watch this. You go about halfway down. And I said, I'm going to go jump off the top. And then, there I go. And about halfway down, they might say, yeah, how's things going? And I would say, hey, so far, so good. And that would be true, right? That's how many people are living their lives. They think they're getting away with making up their own rules, but they don't realize they are about to come crashing down. God gives each of us the freedom to completely just thumb our nose at him and his word for our entire life if we want, but that is not going to be the end of the story. Our rules are not going to hold up. They're going to be proven wrong. God is always going to have the last word, not us. You can run from God, you can run from his truth for the rest of your life, but there is quickly coming a day, and boy, it's right around the corner, I'm just telling you. When we're not going to be able to run anymore, you won't be able to uh, find yourself hiding because you're going to be standing before God Almighty. And, and when that day comes, there's not going to be any of this, well, you know, I, I just didn't believe that way. That's just going to be too bad for you. I tried to make it as clear as I could, but you didn't want to go by my rules. You wanted to make your own. The problem is your rules didn't turn out to be truth. Nothing can stand on it. God's word is supreme and true whether we choose to believe it or not. And finally, the seventh reason we can trust the Bible is the Bible has transforming power. Since the beginning of mankind, nothing has changed the lives of people more than the Bible. I mean, I have personally, I've seen alcoholics, drug addicts, mean, vicious, nasty people who, who felt like they had no hope in life give their lives completely, see their lives completely changed and transformed through God's Word. You know, if I thought you could change human behavior with laws, I might have become a politician. But I, I know I don't have very much faith in politics to change people's lives. Because you can make all the laws in the world, and that doesn't necessarily change mankind's heart. There's laws against killing people in every nation on planet Earth. Everyone has a law against killing people, and yet in every nation on Earth, people kill each other every day. Jesus, I think, said it best, John 8, 31, 32, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. 
There's a lot of people who in the world who claim they just don't believe the Bible. But you know what I think in many cases? I think in many cases, they, it's not that they don't so much believe God's word. They want to be their own boss. They want to be God of their life. They don't want to, to have to submit to some other authority. So they, they say, I, I, I don't really believe that. That's a convenient excuse. They're going to make their own rules. They're going to decide what is moral and immoral, and no one is going to tell them how to run their life. And to those people, you kind of want to say, so how, how's that working out for you? Is everything turning out to be just rosy like you thought it would be? We all have to decide who's going to be the final authority in our life, right? Whose rules we're going to follow? We're going to follow our rules or we're going to follow God's rules? Because the, the boy, the, he's about to separate truth from fiction real quick here. This book is the only thing that we've got going for us, folks. This book tells us that our lives are not an accident. This book tells us that God made us so he could love us. This book tells us that we also are sinners. But aren't you thankful? This book also tells us, but you can be forgiven. This book tells us that we all have a purpose for living. It tells us that we're going to have problems in life. We all love that scripture, right? It comes right out and says, you are going to have a bunch of trouble in this life, but Jesus will pull you through. It tells us that. This book tells us that there is this glorious home called heaven that awaits us if we just don't up our belief, if we hang in there, stay believing, stay holding on, stay strong to what we believe to be truth. And I'm praying that everyone here today chooses to believe God's word. The key to our eternity is choosing what we're going to believe, right? It all comes down to that. Our eternity is hanging on what we decide we're going to believe. Something to think about, right? Stand with me this morning. I want to close. I want to lead us all in a prayer. If there's someone here this morning or someone watching online, and as you've been listening to these words, something, the, the Spirit has just quickened your heart, and you realize, you know what? I just really think this is truth. This is the only truth that's out there. Maybe I've been chasing all these other supposed truths, and I'm finding out none of them are truth, but I think this is the real deal. And you want to make a choice to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior so that you are going to inherit that eternity with him, then I want you to repeat this prayer. Let's all say this this morning. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be Lord of my life. I believe you died on a cross for me and that you rose again and you wait to receive me in heaven with your father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all it takes. Just admit that you have sin and ask him for forgiveness and then strive. It doesn't end there. Daily, you have to strive to stay connected because you can disconnect yourself. And it becomes a daily walk to stay connected. Amen?
That's why if you haven't gotten one of our daily Bible reading journals, it's not too late. We still have some. Get one. Be following along with us because it keeps you connected. Amen. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com. Connect with us on Facebook or call us at 210-657-3578.